0: For a financial services company, whether you're, you know, an old school institution or you're a challenger bank or or a fintech, compliance is table stakes, you know, and, and there's good reasons for that. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast powered by Currency Cloud. This is your host, Jeff Forkin, and I'm really delighted to be joined by Matt McGuire uh, of the AML Shop, founder of the AML Shop. Matt has an amazing background across uh, AML and, and FinTech. Um, so, Matt, why don't you go ahead and give the audience a quick background and then we can dive into the conversation? Oh thanks
0: Jeff really glad to be here and um we're big fans of Currency cloud so super appreciative of of this opportunity. Uh let me um yeah as, as you say I'll I'll tell you a little bit about my background. I um I am a super lucky fellow. Uh and I don't mind admitting it. You know from early on I, I knew what I wanted to do and my uh, my folks are both prosecutors and um so the law seemed like a ton of fun uh but um uh, you know, they were big shoes to fill. So I decided to do um, halfway into law and halfway in accounting, and I became a forensic accountant. So I trained to do that. And um, uh, I did a postgraduate degree in that of a CPA. And um, soon after I got my, um, my ticket, I started working for Canadian intelligence. And so that means generally counting the number of beavers in the country. Um, <laughs> Uh, but in a forensic way, with a magnifying glass. <laughs> so forensic accounting first is the application of accounting to, to legal scenarios. And then uh, Canadian intelligence, our our financial intelligence unit is uh, FinTrack. And I worked there as a strategic and tactical um, intelligence analyst and, and had a ton of fun. Um, it, it led me to want to get deeper into it. And it brought me to um, uh, Deloitte in in. Um, Ottawa, Toronto, and New York, where I worked on some really fun look back assignments and correspondent banking and, uh, you know, and ended up at one of the, as a partner, of one of the big firms in Canada before setting out on my own, um, and, uh, and forming the AML shop. And now, um, I'm proud to say we're a group of about 20 people across the country, uh, working on files, uh, across the world, helping governments, helping banks, securities dealers, and, and most, um, the most fun lately has been helping challenger banks and fintech. Uh, that's a uh, you know um, back in the day we used to only get our kicks by risk rating checking accounts. Uh, now we're looking at prepaid cards and exotic instruments, and it's never been more fun to be an AML.
1: Yeah, you know that's that's really good. I mean, I think AML and traditionally has gotten a bad rep, you know. But uh, you know, our CEO, Current Squad jokes around. You know, we're we're a compliance company really uh, when it comes down to it you know about thirty percent of our workforce is focused on compliance and ultimately it's having that understanding uh, of the compliance that enables us to be able to offer these more exciting new digital bank offerings um, so I think where you guys come in is super important uh, but Getting back to your your start as the forensic accountant uh, at Fintrack, is that were you like the Jack Ryan of Canada, or how was how was that?
0: <laughs> with better facial hair, I suppose. Uh, you, you know, uh, it, it takes a uh, it, it took me to a, a number of different cases. We worked um, extensively um, with the Toronto Police Service on in their financial crime unit, and and I would say they're one of the most advanced in our country, and really focused on 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 trying to separate criminals from the proceeds of their crimes, taking their houses and their cars and making it awkward to be a criminal here. So we we had tons of fun on cases uh, going after everyone from uh, bookkeepers, stealing from housing cooperatives to, you know, multi-billion dollar uh, Ponzi schemes. You know, it's, um, it all needs uh, somebody to help trace, uh, trace the money to figure out, you know, who, who done it in the end of the day and, and how much money was involved and who suffered damages, that's what I get to do. And um, I'm super excited now to be one of the instructors at um, the Master of Forensic Accounting Program at the University of Toronto. Uh, really, uh, you know, the, the field has never been as, as energized and, and as um, in demand as it is now.
1: Yeah, so taking that path through like forensic accounting and ultimately uh, FinTrack and now opening the AML shop, has given you this, this great wealth of knowledge and background so that you are able to help your customers today. Could you just give the audience maybe a little bit more perspective of the AML shop and maybe you know, how you're helping some of these challenger banks? Because a lot of the audience is going to be is people, entrepreneurs that are trying to figure this stuff out.
0: Yeah, for sure. L- listen, uh, your your sentiments were, were really um, well stated earlier, which is that you know, for a financial services company, whether you're, you know, an old school institution or you're a challenger bank or, or a fintech, compliance is table stakes. You know, and, and there's good reasons for that, right, is that, that the financial system is is at the foundation of, of uh, any country's economy. And whether um, you, you provide those services online or from from a bricks and mortar company, compliance is essential because reputational risk is really re- is a real Present danger um, to our economies and, and to your institution. And so, you know what what we try to do is come into companies that that operate in a single jurisdiction or multiple jurisdictions and say, all right, we have we have this roster of rules to deal with. We know these are the ones that apply to us. And that that exercise in itself can be one of the challenging ones, given the variety of different business models that somebody could take on, right? And so, first, it's what does what that uh, what does that universe look like, and then. Uh, how, do we, how do we approach that in the most intelligent way? And we think, we think about um, how do we leverage technology? How do we do this efficiently? And most importantly, how do we reduce customer friction, right? So the point is, is that people uh, on the internet are, don't put up with, with much in the way of extra clicks or, or processes. Or, or, and so we try to limit to the extent possible the amount um, that clients have to do to be onboarded for us to be compliant. That means leveraging open banking. That means leveraging the latest in, in KYC products. That means streamlining what information you collect and, and who you collect it from. And so at, at the core of what we do is, is, um, is building regulatory compliance programs um, that, that can cross borders, make regulators happy, importantly, make financial services providers happy, right? So in the case of Currency Cloud, to be able to prove that you're compliant, you need to prove that your clients are compliant. And so um, we're often uh, called in to make sure that we we get that story right. The second thing we do is is audits, right? So um, if you if a company already has a uh, program in place, you know it's not enough just to to show the piece of paper. So here, here's my um, here's my PDF that shows that I know what my compliance responsibilities are. Uh, often you're called on to prove that it's working, working the way it's supposed to. That you're ma- actually managing the risks that you set up to manage. That you actually um, are complying with the rules. Uh, that you're supposed to be complying with, so we conduct the equivalent of AML audits and then they span the range from money laundering to terrorist financing to sanctions that's to approved to your financial services providers to prove to your regulators that you're getting this right you know sure. and then uh, the the um, the third major service we provide is is um, an outsourced AML service so Fintechs getting off the ground want to focus on uh, quite rightly want to focus on building their business and building revenue and and, and the the promotion that goes along with that. And so in the background we can take care of a lot of the compliance responsibilities for them so that they can focus their staff and their uh, and, and their attention uh, primarily to the business.
1: Yeah, it's a good summary. And you know, I think from my perspective being a sales director at Currency Cloud, you know, working with a lot of fintechs, I feel like I way, I know way too much about compliance and AML, but I you have to, right? I mean, in order to do the job you almost have to be a consultant. It feels like when it comes to the AML compliance stuff. So again, really, that's why I was, you know when we ended up meeting the AML shop, we thought this was you guys, you know, what you guys have going on over there, is a perfect kind of partnership for us and work with our customers. And one of the things that we've uncovered in the last really year or so between myself and some of my colleagues across the the North American team is this sponsor bank model. Um, so I want to get your opinion on that. And you know how you see it evolving with, with these. We've found about fifty banks or so, and you know there's there's some big name ones like Evolve and like Radius Bank and Sutton Bank, uh, just to name a couple out there that you know are basically offering fintechs the ability to uh, become an agent of the bank and now offer basically offer banking services. Uh, so can can you give me some some of your opinion on that and what you know about it and and where you think it's kind of going on the sponsor bank model?
0: Yeah, listen. It, it's a great evolution. It's it, um, it's realizing you know that that um, in a lot of instances, fintechs can can innovate at a far greater pace and with their finger closer to the pulse of the folks that they're dealing with, right? So um, you know, whereas uh, uh, banks have struggled to keep up with those sort of innovations, they can participate in this system by being a utility. They have compliance set up. They have asset liability management set up. They have a, Great relationships with their regulators, um, and so having that that pipeline, providing that pipeline to fintechs is only helping um, the system thrive, and and they're in a great position to be the oversight function uh, over the folks that they they sponsor. I, I think it's a a great development. You know, you have to. I think the the big caution to fintechs going down that sponsored road is think about who. Owns the client relationship at, at the end of the day, right? If if you have if you have aspirations to to get beyond a sponsor bank model to uh, out on your own, uh, pay a lot of attention to where you fit in that story.
1: Yeah, that's a good point because a lot of times you're outsourcing the actual ownership of your client. Your clients, uh, in which case, you know, if if you're not owning your customer, how does that affect your impact evaluation, valuation, right?
0: yeah and and that just depends on what your your um your strategic roadmap looks like so it's not it's not a bad thing necessarily it it can get you up and running in months rather than years and and so there's 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 the trade off
1: yeah yeah but ultimately, I think you see this those smarter banks in the u s and i think radius bank is a is an excellent example of this where they've kind of taken a forward approach and actually trying to streamline how they work with sponsored programs and not just uh, helping these programs use their regulation, but also investing in the programs uh, to increase the value of the bank. Right.
0: I mean, that's that's a very forward looking Way to go about business. And, you know, people have uh, listen when you look at financial services companies across the world. They've all, or uh, particularly banks, they've been dealing with eroding margins on interest, right? And it's it's to the point now where you know, with negative interest, <laughs> it's hard to earn a return, uh, right? And so uh, these alternative streams of incomes, these other ways of gaining share of wallet, uh, will will help a, a bank, a credit union, a, a financial services providers thrive.
1: Yeah, so then, you know, obviously, I think the audience can detect your Canadian accent. But are you? What's your? What's the AML shops coverage across the U.S.? I know you you, you obviously do work with U.S. customers, but you know, how are you evolving your services to cover maybe even outside of North America? What are you guys working on? Yeah, so so it's you know the financial services market is is
0: becoming borderless in terms of clients, but we still have multi-jurisdictional. Issues, right? So many clients are coming to us and saying, listen, we operate in Europe, help us get into Canada. We operate in um, the US, um, help us get into Europe. Uh, you know, it's about, uh, the, tell us about Australia. So lots of the engagements we're working on now are focused not just on how do you comply with multiple jurisdictions, but how do you make that super efficient, right? How do you adopt a KYC process that is streamlined across the enterprise? How do you adopt legislative structures that that allow you to comply with multiple jurisdictions at once and make it really easy to prove to the regulators in each jurisdictions and your um, and your financial service provider that that everything is is locked down in, in all those regions so that's a, a lot of what we do aml efficiency seamless border approaches so you know at the moment we're helping a couple of clients with licenses in Ireland to get access to the European market you know uh, we're working with an fx provider that operates in in seven jurisdictions uh, to To understand how they can how they can use the same amount of staff to to be able to deal with ten times the sales volume.
1: Yeah, that's is, you know it's kind of the same thing. And currency clouds uh, adept in this as well because we have a, a whole list of permitted jurisdictions where effectively we can receive funds from or we can actually onboard customers. So you know our again our compliance team it's about thirty to forty percent of our and workforce has gone out and established different sets of KYC rules and you you have to go in and confirm that what we're doing is is you know covers us for that jurisdiction so yeah it's it's very difficult uh, when you try to start offering financial services into all these different markets i think south america is especially cumbersome uh,
0: no doubt you know in each of these uh, listen uh, in each of these jurisdictions it's the easiest to attack a foreign player, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and, and in the U.S., it's no different. I mean, the, uh, the amount of fines against foreign banks dwarfs those against domestic banks and because it's very politically expedient. <laughs> so if you're, if you're jumping from your jurisdiction to another one, think hard about, about uh, uh, having to be ultra-compliant compared to your competitors.
1: Absolutely. Now, we haven't we have addressed the elephant in the room, the situation around COVID. I know you and I chatted offline a little bit about this, but just kind of pivoting. Um, how do you feel about this work from home thing? And what do you fo- see for your business going forward? You know,
0: Jeff, it feels like um, the way we were doing things before was entirely uncivilized. I'm sorry it took a pandemic to get here, but it's given great perspective uh, to a lot of folks I've, I've talked to, which is, you know, uh, commuting for two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening it really isn't all that necessary. We can operate highly functioning teams remotely. I think it's just, ex- it's accelerated that trend. And, and it's, it's really been great. You know what, uh, the fun bit that that I've seen developed from this is the number of people that um, have been at home and started to have the time and, and uh, the patience to think about the dreams they always wanted to realize. We're, we're getting more and more companies coming to us with new business ideas and new ventures uh, because they, um, uh, they're able to sit back and, and contemplate and plan these sorts of things. And so uh, I'm seeing a lot of innovation come out of it. Uh, and, and, you know, the, our, um, our team generally works from home in, in any event. So we weren't, it wasn't, um it wasn't a monster impact. I think in terms of, um you know, the sort of bills I'm getting from people working from home for their internet, it, they've really skyrocketed. <laughs> I don't know how much that has to do with business. <laughs> I, you know, I, it, it may be that everybody's watching Mad Men, but, uh, <laughs> that that's fine. I, the work still seems to be getting out.
1: Right. Yeah, it's it is really interesting. I think you're right. It's it's totally exciting. We we've just announced that we've currency to cloud's become a remote first company. So we are going to be, you know, encouraging any new hires and, and existing employees, I guess, going forward that you know you're free to work remotely first. And so, then, you know, I would imagine we'll be downsizing our offices uh, potentially in the future. You wonder what kind of impact that's going to have on the uh, the broader market in these in these big cities like Toronto and New York.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and, and maybe, um, maybe the, the, the advantage is that you know the the transportation infrastructure that we have can last longer than we thought it might, and. Um, you know, maybe it means people can work from far nicer places. <laughs> you know, with uh, views of lakes, and you know, be closer to their families, and and you know, there's a whole bunch of of uh, good that's coming from this. I'm I'm really sorry to. I mean, listen, uh, it's a it's a, a pandemic is a terrible thing, but there seems to be some positive outcomes. I you, you know we talked about it. I had COVID and, and um, it got to the other side uh, quite fortunately, and and I don't mm.
1: uh, wish it on anyone. Oh yeah, so your experience was pretty rough then, huh?
0: It was, it was um, the least amount of fun since, uh, since Frost Week in grade nine.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, we're obviously glad you made it. And you know, it's, it's crazy because there's so many people that have no symptoms and there's people that have you know, experienced what you've experienced. There's no telling why some people get it very bad and, some why, and why some don't. It's, it's, I think that's what's scary about it, right? Yeah, so true. Well, Matt, listen, I, I really appreciate you jumping on today. Uh, it's always a pleasure to catch up. And we look forward to staying in touch uh, with the AML shop. Um, if, if anybody's listening and they want to ch- look into the AML shop, what's the best way to get in touch? Is it from the website?
0: Yeah, check out the website. It's um, theamlshop.ca. There's a whole bunch of resources on there, ways to get in contact with us.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks again, and we'll talk soon, Matt. I really appreciate it. Take care.